Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. Thank you and welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Jerry Ors, and today we'll be talking about a whole bunch of fantastic films and shows, but right now we're going to be interviewing an author whose name is Pamela Bolin, and she's the author of the book series Megan's World. Pamela, how are you doing today? Good. How are you, Jerry? I'm doing very good. Thank you so much. So uh, let's, get, let's just jump right in. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your series for people who don't know about it? Yes, the Megan's World series is for pet lovers, uh, based upon my love of animals, wanting to teach uh, children the proper way to have and care for pets. Uh, the books are written for ages 8 to 13 years old, but it, like I said, anyone who loves pets will love the series. There are three books out so far, centering around uh, the heroine of the book, Megan Thompson, in the first book, she finds and raises an abandoned litter of one-day-old kittens uh, to prove to her parents that she is responsible enough to have a pet. And this is based on my real-life experience of finding and raising, bottle-raising uh, for one-day-old kittens. Uh, and then in books two and three, she is pet-sitting, first for her neighbor's pet and then for the veterinarian's capuchin monkey to earn money so that she's able to see, to keep caring for her kittens. But she develops a love of animals, and by book three, she's even considering going into veterinary medicine. You know, I just love this story when it's kind of by, it, where it's kind of from the kid's perspective and the kid's living the life. Now, something that is in your first book, Megan's Munchkins, is the parents are very wary about letting the child take care of animals, and, you know, animals are a lot of responsibility. For parents right. out there who are feeling that way, very wary of getting their kids an animal to take care of, what advice would you give them? Well, the uh, to uh, expect a child, no matter whether it's a 13-year-old or an 8-year-old, to fully take care of a pet 100% is a fallacy. Uh, no child, no matter how mature for their age uh, they are or is going to be able to do it. But like the talks I give at local events, pets can teach children valuable life lessons in responsibility, compassion, trust, loyalty, all sorts of things. So if the parents use that as a learning tool for the child and accept that they, at the end of the day, are ultimately going to be responsible for making sure the pet's care and health is up to the best quality, then it can be a wonderful experience for the family. I think you make some very good points. I have uh, several animals myself, and you're right. They are a lot of responsibility, but they can change you for the better. I love my dog. I love my cats. Um, my next question for you is, uh, why did you get into writing? And specifically, why did you want to write about pets? I have loved writing. I've written short stories, I think, all my life. I know my mom has all the short stories I wrote back in grade school and middle school. Um, so it's always been kind of a hobby for me. I spent the first 10 years of my working life in pet hotels and pet resorts, 
being a dog trainer and a front desk representative and a kennel tech. So I got to see a lot of different pet personalities and people's personalities. And it really gave me a lot of great ideas to base my characters, like the Driscoll's pets that Megan pet sits for in the second book, are all based on true pet sitting experiences that I've had in my working life. So just, it was knowing that I had all those resources from my years doing that. And then when I found and raised the abandoned litter of kittens that I still have all four and I call them kittens and they just turned five years old. So, you know, I love them. And I thought, what a great idea to try and teach children how precious pets can be instead of reading all the uh, shelter signs that are on the dogs and cats at the humane societies saying the child lost interest the child didn't take care of it so we're surrendering the pet so that was my drive and my ultimate goal with the series is to reduce that to teach young readers that it is a 10 to 15 year commitment depending on the lifespan of the dog or cat I think those are very good messages for kids, and it's a lot to think about when considering getting an animal as well. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network, and today we're talking to, right now, Panamela uh, Folan, who is the author of books, part of the Megan's World series, and she is writing all about pets and how kids can take care of them properly and stories based off her own experiences. Uh, now, I have a kind of more tough question for you. Would you say that you have a favorite animal, either as a pet or just as a general animal? Oh, gosh, that is, that is a that is a tough uh, question. Um, every every pet I've had across my life has been uh, loved and beloved and uh, treated like a king or queen i mean my friends will tease me saying they want to come back as one of my pets because your pets have <laughs> such a good life um but as far as picking a favorite i would have to say it was my uh dog who passed away a couple years ago sunny he we called him a dog and a person in a furry body he was not a dog he was so smart and we had such a connection. We were on TV shows together. He was an amazing pet. Well, I'm so sorry for your loss. You know, dogs are just wonderful creatures. They truly, they're not just animals, you know. They're kind of part of your family. It's wonderful Absolutely. thing to have a dog. Um, so I want to talk about the book a little more. Uh, you know, a lot of kids out there are trying to write books themselves, and a lot of them are writing about animal stories like you did. Uh, what tips would you give them? That, that's perfect. If you're passionate about animals, um, then absolutely they can write stories about animals. My best advice for them is to write about animals that you're familiar with, or if not, then make sure you do the research. Like the pets in Megan's Munchkins and Megan's Pet Scene Adventure were all real-life pets that I pet sat for. I knew the care and requirements for illustrating correctly the care routine that would be required for a dog, a cat, a bird. But a capuchin monkey is something I've never 
actually handled in my life. So I had to do a lot of research to be able to convey correctly what a cap captive capuchin monkey would require for care and feeding and all that type of stuff. So as long as they're passionate about pets and writing about ones that they know about or willing to do the research to get there, more power to them. I would encourage anyone that wants to write a book, too, because it's a very rewarding experience. Oh, I definitely agree. There's nothing like seeing uh, either if it's a short story or a full-fledged novel, just kind of seeing a complete full story. It's a definitely an incredible experience. Now, uh, did you al always want to write these stories, kind of write about animals, or is this something that you decided recently? I've always enjoyed writing as a hobby, and I grew up with a house full of pets, and now, as an adult, I have my own house full of pets. But it was really finding and bottle-raising the abandoned litter of kittens that drove me to, okay, I want to... I want to pursue this. I want to write about animals and make, create the Megan's World series. Well, I think it's really great that you were able to take a life experience and turn that into a wonderful story for kids to enjoy. Now, Thank uh, you. of course. So let's say someone in, in real life comes into that scenario where they find a box of very young kittens or another animal very young outside and just in the streets. What should they do? Well, it there there's several options i am um, obviously uh during during kitten and puppy season the shelters and the humane societies have foster parents and foster workers in place ready to take on the abandoned litter of kittens or puppies or whatever so the rescue groups and shelters do have the staff and and uh equipment to be able to handle them uh like when i did it it was 8 eight thirty at night and no i knew i couldn't get in contact with anybody and so i just did the research and i found i've taught my kind of taught myself along the way how to care for the kittens because when i found them they were so severely dehydrated they didn't even have the strength to suckle on the bottle. I had to eyedropper feed them for the first 24 hours. But it is a huge time commitment because that first day I was feeding them about every hour with the eyedropper. And then once they started taking the bottle, it was every three to four hours, including the middle of the night. So, Well, yeah, you know, kittens are basically just babies, so they need to be fed like them, too. Exactly. They're just as helpless. So if you have the time and patience to learn and do it yourself, then great. If not, make sure they get to a good shelter and rescue group that will raise them. Well, I think those are all great tips. Thank you so much, Pamela, for talking to me about your books as well as your experience and your tips for people. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on the show. And if I can tell you my website for anyone that wants to know further about what I'm doing and what local events I'm appearing at, my website is PamelaFolan.com. Thank you very much. Of course, uh, as uh, Pamela said, if you're interested in anything she does, check out her site, PamelaFolan.com. 
Uh, let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Come Attractions, and this week's show is sponsored by the Boxcar Children Surprise Island. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm jerry orris and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we are just talking to pamela Fallen about her book series and now we're going to switch gears and start talking to Callista about the new dvd my little pony friendship is magic applejack how are you doing today Callista? i'm pretty good how are you I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. So, uh, can you talk a little bit about this DVD? I know there's been a lot of different DVDs from the My Little Pony series. What makes this one unique? So, this is a collection of five episodes from My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. But the main theme connecting all these episodes is that they all focus on one specific character, Applejack. And if she's if she's not the center of like attention of this episode, she's at the very least a major part of it. I see. Very interesting. When I watched the show, I know that she was definitely a very much a side character, which I found surprising. So I'm glad that they made a DVD for her. Now, have you seen much of the original show, like the actual My Little Pony show? I've seen episodes here and there, and I know quite a bit about it, but I've never actually like watched it enough to consider myself a fan. Oh, that's fair. Um, but would you say that the selection of episodes are good? Do you think there's any other episodes they should have col- uh, collected? Because I know there are a lot of episodes in the series now. Oh, yeah, there's like six seasons, I think. But I actually did very much enjoy these episodes, even, even as someone who does not know too much about the world. Oh, very good. And would you say that um, having a sad character like Applejack was good, or would you say that would have probably been better to do a different character that's a lot more in the series? I know she's one of the main characters, but I never felt like she was a focus of any of the episodes. No, I understand what you mean. I feel like that is kind of one of my major issues with the series, is that there's Twilight Sparkle, the main character of the series, and then there's just like five other characters who don't get a lot of screen time. I know Rarity, Pinkie Pie, and Rainbow Dash do, but considering, but like, 
Applejack doesn't get a lot of attention. So I feel like this DVD did actually kind of like the making this DVD did kind of make sense because she has not gotten a lot. She and Fluttershy have have like had like no attention in the series as of late. It is very true, and it's so disappointing. Perhaps next they'll make a Fluttershy DVD. Uh, so let's just kind of jump into it. What would you? What was your general opinion on this collection of episodes? I feel like because I am mostly a very character and story driven person, I usually like to look at those aspects the most. And these episodes were what you would consider filler, but they were an entertaining type of filler because. What I believe filler is, is supposed to be sort of like a way of, is they're supposed to be character-driven like episodes, not really focus on the story. And I feel like this worked very well, as it did do a good job showing off the personalities of these characters. And I, I just kind of, these are these are more episodes that are a lot more calmer because I know My Little Pony has gotten surprisingly dark. So it's just a, these are just more like real nice little episodes. Yeah, I do know what you mean. The last few episodes I watched, I was surprised of how complex such a uh, children's show got. And uh, another question I have for you is, since this is such a long series with so many different plot events going on now, uh, would you say that if someone has never watched an episode, never heard anything about the entire series, they could just pick up this DVD and watch it? No, I feel like this is definitely a case where you would need to start from the beginning of a series. Because this episode does, these episodes do reference major events that have happened, that happened throughout the series. There's one episode where they have two, uh, I guess these are two reoccurring characters appear. And there's just, it, it, these episodes appear to be pretty recent. So I, considering stuff I noticed in like the theme song and everything. So I feel like this is, My Little Pony is definitely a series where you, if you want to get into it, you probably should start from the beginning. Oh, I definitely agree with you, because even though it is a kid's show, it is very story-driven, which is another unique thing about the show. Generally, kid shows are a lot more, you know, just separate from a driven story. And um, you're talking about kind of the character development. Would you say that they did any character development aside from just, you know, they learned a lesson here and there like they normally do? I mean, I feel like this is kind of a, here, a lesson here and there type of situation, I feel like the character development, like the major development, is more in the story-driven episodes, and these are just kind of like little lessons that they learn, that type of thing. But yeah, like sound- the- Go ahead. I was just going to say, I feel like the major development is usually in like the very important episodes. Yeah, sadly, I did notice that a lot of the episodes are just those kind of lessons, but uh, since it is all about teaching people about friendship, that's the main purpose of the show, would you say there's any important lesson for kids to learn? I feel like just the idea of that it teaches, it, considering there was one episode where they were basically saying, like, how should you handle, like, a, a, like a fight between two, uh, some of your other friends, this is very much like a show where it's just teaching people about you know, it's just, it's a very moral-driven show, and I feel like that could be very good as it does, it actually does handle things about, like, friendship and communicating very well, surprisingly. Yeah, it definitely has its very unique positives about it, which is one of the reasons that I love the show and just how special it is. 
You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Right now, we are talking about My Little Pony Friendship is Magic, and we're specifically talking about the DVD all about the character Applejack. And right now, I want to kind of jump into more of the technical side of it, since even though the quality of the technicals, like the animation voiceover, hasn't really differed over the years, still, what would you say about the uh, voice acting? You still have the same people like Ashley Bell, who plays Applejack. You also have Tabitha saying, uh, Gamain and you have Tara Strong and several different people. I don't know why, but the voices for the characters in My Little Pony just like kind of weirdly just like stuck with me, I guess. Like I've always really enjoyed it for some reason. You mentioned Tara Strong who plays Twilight Sparkle and Tara Strong is amazing. I don't think anyone, I don't think we have any arguments about that. Tara Strong is amazing. Oh, and, definitely. Uh, oh yeah, everything she does is kind of like I, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of Tara Strong, but like, <laughs> it has some really good voice acting, and each character has like a unique voice that kind of like I love it when a character's voice can sign, can kind of in a way show their personality, and I feel like that's what you get with the characters in this show. Like, because Applejack speaks with a southern accent because she works on a farm, so it kind of makes sense. But I don't know what it is, but something about her voice just feels this kind of like so friendly i don't know exactly how to explain this but there's just some kind of like positivity in these characters voices that i just really like for some reason you know what i really find amazing about the show and what i find amazing about a lot of different voiceover shows is that they have a lot of people playing the same role like ashley bell plays like she plays two main characters applejack and rainbow dash and she plays like 17 other shorts there's just so many scenes where it's just the same person talking to themselves and then they give it to an animator and it turns it into a show and i find it incredible that you said they have very distinct voices but it's the same person speaking and especially considering it's rainbow dash and applejack two characters you sound nothing alike that's pretty impressive yeah, it really is. I, it's definitely one of the most incredible feats in all of Hollywood. I definitely agree. Now, would you say that you have a favorite episode? I know you said there are four or five episodes. Would you have a favorite one? Oh, dang. I actually don't know. <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I feel like because like, each episode was just kind of like good in its own way. It's a little hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, they are very unique, each of them its own. Uh, how about a favorite character? That's a little easier to answer, usually. Yeah. Out of, like... Because I haven't seen much of My Little Pony, so my favorite character happens to be one of the main characters. But honestly, I really like Fluttershy. She's, like, honestly really adorable, and I love her so much. And it's a shame because none of the five episodes that they included had Fluttershy in any of them. She was the only member of the main six who didn't get featured in any of the five episodes. And I'm, I'm just, like, weirdly salty about that. Because I mentioned earlier how Fluttershy has been, like, neglected recently, and this just kind of proves my point. Yeah, that's definitely disappointing. I would hope that they include her more in the future. Maybe, like I said, maybe they'll make a DVD like they did for Applejack. And overall, how many stars would you give this DVD? I would give it three out of five stars. And why is that? Because I feel like, because I've done another My Little Pony DVD, and I feel like those episodes were kind of better. Because 
that those the episodes included in that DVD actually did have a little bit more of the story element I mentioned because they had an episode where they parried where they parodied the Christmas Carol, and I felt like weirdly like I was a little intimidated by one of the scenes because it was actually kind of scary. I I can't believe I'm saying that about My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic of all things, but one of the one of the scenes in that one of the scenes in the episodes from that DVD actually had me a little scared. Wow, that's really surprising. And I guess my next question is, what would be the age rating? Because I'm not really sure what it is anymore. Me neither. Me neither. I'd say about 4 to 12, because I feel like little kids would probably wouldn't understand all like the dark stuff that's happening. But like if they're, but I know that there are older people who genuinely do like My Little Pony's Friendship is Magic, so... Well, that seems fair. Thank you so much, Callista, for talking to me about this DVD collection. Thank you for having me. Of course. For our viewers, if you'd like to check out this DVD, it is out now, so definitely check it out. It looks very interesting. Let's take a break. I'm Jerry Orris, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions, and this week's show is sponsored by the Boxcar Children Surprise Island. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn off your phone. Another movie review is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about books about pets, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Applejack, and next we'll be talking with our wonderful host, Jerry, on RBG. Thanks for being here, Jerry. No problem. Thanks for having me. So can you tell me um, a little bit about what RBG is about? Of course. So RBG is a documentary about a woman named Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is currently an associate justice on the Supreme Court, which basically means she is one of the judges who makes decisions for the Supreme Court, the highest court in the United States. And um, but it's not just about that. It's all about her life from her childhood to present day. She not only was on the Supreme Court, she also spent years fighting for women's rights and women equality, taking different cases to try to get equality in the United 
United States. And it's an inspirational story about how she can persevere against not only discrimination, but also personal battles. Like she was also diagnosed with cancer and survived. And it's just an incredible life story of an incredible woman. Wow, yeah, she sounds like a really strong and amazing person. That's oh. the surprising thing. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but um, they say a lot that she's not a very, like, outspoken woman. She's actually very shy, very small, very kind of just, you know, she's just very, like, closed door. And it was shocking to see that such a shy person was such an inspirational, incredible person. Oh, wow. And that in itself is inspiring, especially for um, all the shy people out there who feel that they have to be outspoken to be wonderful people. I feel like um, by what you're telling me, and um, this person is completely breaking all stereotypes. So can you tell me um, a little bit about the narration and how it was done in the documentary? Yeah, that's one of the things I really liked about it. It isn't just a straight narration where it feels like a lecture. Instead, you're kind of introduced to different people from the narration of different people. It's very unique how they do it. So instead of just having one straight narrator, they interview different people, then use those interview dialogues to narrate different aspects of it. And it's not like it's small historians or anything like that. I mean, you have Ruth in it, you have people like Bill Clinton in it, you have other associate justice members, you have the people who are big parts in her story, which I think was really incredible that instead of just having someone talk to you about it, they showed you the people of it. Yeah, definitely. And I think that really helps, like, as a viewer, instead of hearing someone talk about another person's view, actually hearing it from that person's view. So um, what was something or um, a multiple amount of things that you learned and um, took away from this documentary? Well, something I learned that I always found really interesting is kind of the fight for women's equality. You always hear about the different protests that was going on and all that. But Ruth was on the other side. She was the one who was, you know, trying to push the legal change, the actual physical change in the courts. And something I found shocking is that since she was um, talking to in the Supreme Court, because funny thing, she was at she was in the Supreme Court multiple times, sometimes as a lawyer and sometimes as a judge, which I found interesting. But she talked about how the judges didn't think women's discrimination was a thing because they were all male. They didn't think it existed. They didn't understand or comprehend that it was a thing. It may not have been that they were just discriminatory. It may have just been they didn't understand exactly what it meant and how it may have impacted women. That really shocked me because now male or female or whatever, you see how discriminatory we were as a country beforehand. And just to think that the highest legal people in our country didn't understand and didn't realize that was pretty shocking. Yeah, definitely. And was she the first um, lady to be in the Supreme Court? She was not. There was actually a picture with her and the first because she was the second lady and she was at the same time with the uh, first. But she was the very first Jewish uh, female Supreme Court justice. Oh, okay, wow. Everything that you're telling me about this film and this lady is so inspiring and I really want to watch this film now. So thank you for talking talking with me about this film. Of course, thank you so much for letting me talk about it. Thank you. So be sure to check out RBG today. Um, 
You are listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about books about pets, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic. We just got done talking with Jerry about RBG. And next we'll be talking about 2001 Space Odyssey. And it's its 50th year anniversary since it first came out. So welcome back, Jerry. And... Watching 2000 Space Odyssey in 2018, how did that feel? Um, Something that I didn't realize before, and I don't know how I didn't realize this, is just how good it looks. It may be because I found a good remastered version that really was able to preserve it, but it just looks so crisp and clear. I'm not talking about the visual effects and all that, which was definitely its own achievement, but I'm just talking about how clear the actual camera shots were. You know, if you didn't look very carefully enough, you could easily say that it was shot on a modern camera despite being obviously shot in the 1960s with a film camera. And it's just so incredible that not only were they able to make a space epic in a time when we were just first getting to space, they were able to make it look like a modern film, which is such an incredible achievement. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's such a timeless classic. Um, What do you think made it that way? And I know you mentioned a little bit, but it's, you know, still so relevant in today. You know, something that is kind of interesting about it is that it was not a very big success. In fact, the screenwriter came out crying or left or something like that because everyone was saying it was terrible. The critics were saying it was horrible. All the adults were saying it was horrible. It was actually the youth population who saved it and made it an economic success and probably saved Stanley Kubrick's career. And... I just find that interesting to think that now it's a complete cold classic and any sci-fi fan absolutely needs to watch this movie 10 times. But then it was a failure. And I think what really made it special is just how strange the story is. If you actually get the script or just list out the dialogue, there really isn't much. It's very visual driven. And one of the main characters is literally a robot that cannot move at all. Yet Stanley Kubrick's genius mind was able to make it a entertaining film and i thought that was just really incredible and really an achievement that people can recognize yeah well i actually never knew that and that's so funny to think that um 2001 space odyssey was actually a flop before it became a success and um did you notice anything different than the other times that you've seen this movie uh, the last time I saw it, I was younger, you know, uh, so I was able to appreciate it more. And um, the la- for, since the last time I saw it, I got a lot more education around space and all that. And what I didn't realize is just how accurate it was. Like, there was a lot of very accurate things. And that's kind of surprising because if you look at the other sci- kind of sci-fi things that was going on now or at that time in the 1960s, nothing was even close to that accurate because they simply didn't know enough about it. I mean, you know, all these discoveries that we take for granted about space were just being made during the 50s, 60s, and 70s. So I think it's really incredible on how scientifically accurate he kept it. Of course, the whole ending sequence, which I'm not going to spoil, was debatable, but the main film itself is surprisingly incredibly accurate. Yeah, that's really amazing. And finally, 50 years later, 
Um, I know you touched on this as well, but how do you think the themes um, impact our lives today? You know, I think that the big what if questions that were asked in the film about the origin of humanity and why we are here today are still asked and will probably always be asked. And I think this film also kind of gave an insight to something that's going to become an issue is AI and what will an intelligence be like? Will it be like human? Will it be something different? And it's just kind of interesting that decades later, all these concepts that were made in the 1960s are now going to be big questions that we ask today. Yeah, definitely. And thank you so much again for um, speaking with me about 2001 Space Odyssey. It was such a pleasure. Thank you so much for letting me talk about it. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Sahiba, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by the Boxcar Children's Surprise Island. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. To become a Kids First film critic, enter one of our local campaigns running throughout the year or join our national campaign this fall. We are looking for kids ages 7 to 16 who love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to see movies before anyone else does. All you need to do to enter is submit a written and videotaped review of one of our selected films and then reach out to your friends and family to vote for you. This summer, join us at one of our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps in three cities, New York, Washington, D.C., and Martha's Vineyard, where you can learn how to critique films and practice your on-camera and acting skills. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org for more information. Hurry, our Kids First Film Critics Boot Camps are filling up fast. Join our team of youth reporters and help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose to go see. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. tuned in to kids first coming attractions on the voice america kids channel Shh, turn off your phone another movie review is coming up hey welcome back i'm sahiba and you're listening to kids first coming attractions we've been talking about books about pets my little pony friendship is magic applejack rbg 2001 space odyssey and next we'll be talking again with jerry on infinity war so thank you for talking to me jerry of course so infinity war is like a huge event with all the marvel characters in it so what did you think of um this huge blockbuster you know, it was definitely a very, very large cluster of films. It was pretty much the previous two Avenger films mixed into with every single other Marvel film ever made and this kind of generation of Marvel films. And they cluster together and try to squeeze it into two hours. And I have to say, they did a pretty decent job of that. It's a lot to go into one place, and they they made it happen. 
Yeah, they did. I was also really worried because I was hoping that it would do really well. And um, it did. So I'm also really proud of that. And so what did you think about um, the acting with all the different characters? You know, I thought the acting throughout the entire film was pretty incredible. Of course, I'm not going to spoil it because it is the biggest spoilers right now on the Internet. But um, at the end where what happens, you know, that was really powerful acting that I didn't ever expect to see in a Marvel film. And it was just so, so emotional. And there was a lot of times like that. There was a huge uh, conflict that goes on that uh, I guess I can talk about it. It's just, you know, love over for a single person over the entire population. And the acting in those scenes where people must decide is just so emotional i mean you have these superheroes who are most of the time just fighting baddies and that's all they need to do having to really get the emotions out of themselves i mean it was just so unique and so surprising and i i just loved every minute of it because it gave a whole new side to the superheroes we love oh my gosh yes everything you say i completely agree and yeah, the acting at the end, I definitely got goosebumps. And I feel like out of all the Marvel movies, um, this one has got to be where, like, I'm not a huge fan of Captain America either, but he also, I felt, really stepped up in this one. And um, the ending, yeah, it was so impactful. Unlike any other ending also, I feel, in a Marvel movie. Yeah, it was so just completely against everything you ever expected and someone i forgot to mention was tom holland you know kind of the kid of the avengers who plays spider-man uh his acting at the end honestly made me almost cry it was just so incredibly powerful and on the opposite side of the spectrum benedict cumberbatch who is always just a phenomenal actor played his character so so well and also his character was so against his norm not out of character but you can just see how drastic these changes were for these characters. Yeah, definitely. And speaking about Tom Holland, I think that you're, the scene you're talking of, I believe it was improvised. And that also really shocked me because to improvise a scene like that and still make it so powerful was really cool. And a lot of, I think, one of my favorite comedic moments was also improvised. So I think that makes me love the movie even more, knowing that such great actors are in it. Oh, I definitely agree. Yeah, for sure. And um, so what would you say about the visual effects? Um, I know there are a ton throughout the whole movie. You know, I kind of just want to give a shout out to the visual effects teams because I know there's a lot of people who weren't uh, listed and there is probably a good 200 people listed on the uh, credits. And it just shows you that it doesn't take just a village to make a film. It takes a city to make it look good. The visual effects were phenomenal. I really love the different the different uh, scenes and scenarios they created. If it's outer space, deep in outer space, if it's somewhere in our solar system, if it's on Earth, just everything they created was phenomenal. I haven't seen Black Panther, but I have to say Wakanda was one of my favorite visual areas. It was just so beautiful. Oh, for sure. I loved Wakanda as well. I think that's my favorite country on the planet, even though it doesn't exist. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a really gorgeous place. Um, So we're going to continue talking about Infinity War. But um, 
First, you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today we're talking about books on pets, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Applejack, RBG, 2001 Space Odyssey, and we'll continue talking with Jerry about Infinity War. So we were just talking about the gorgeous visual effects of Wakanda. And I also want to bring up how um, the visual effects on Thanos, because I thought they made him extremely lifelike. And um, it's very difficult to do because he's completely animated and um, his emotions throughout the film um, were really amazing. And what would you like to say about that? Oh, I love Thanos. I thought how deep of a character he was was really interesting because a lot of the times, I mean, recently they've gotten a lot better at it, but a lot of the times the super villain was very two-dimensional. I think one of the worst films that suffered from that was uh, Doctor Strange where the um, villain was basically super evil guy goes around destroys planets. So I thought that Thanos was such an interesting character, and you're right, he looks exceptional, and the his body, his movement, his uh, outfit, everything about him is just so special, and I think that his inner conflict is really interesting, as well as his reasoning, you know? It's probably the only villain in the entire Marvel or in the entire cinematic universe ever that I was able to actually sympathize with and actually thought, okay, well, even though he's a crazy man, he does bring up some fair points. And what he's trying to do in his belief is for the good. And he has evidence that it would be the, for the best. But it's just interesting that they were able to make a villain who the audience can actually sympathize with. And if you really tilted your head and tried to look at it from a certain angle, you could see the Avengers as the bad guys. Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. They almost made the movie to have um, such a thin line between good and bad that it almost seemed to cease to exist in the movie. And I thought that was really powerful in itself. Oh, I Um, definitely agree. Yeah. And so um, let's switch gears a little bit to the music and how that impacted the film, because I feel like that also added definitely to the emotional aspect especially in the ending and um what did you think about it i really like the music and you're right the ending was a lot more powerful powerful alan silvestri did the music and it's you know for action films what people don't seem to consider is that music and sound design do make up at least half of the production it's not one of those things where silence is bliss in an action film you need music and you need sound design because without it you just either have explosions or you have nothing at all and i think that it really did add another dimension and i think it set the mood when it was supposed to set the mood yeah, for sure. Like, um, again, I keep bringing up the end scene, but it's, I feel like it was um, it was really quiet, and I feel like it made the music almost peaceful, and I felt that that was really conflicting, yet it made the viewers feel like they were Thanos watching their dreams come true. Like, I know that's weird to say, but um, I feel like that's how they intended it to be. So, yeah, I think that really made a huge uh, impact. And um, finally, what would you say, um, mess- like, were there any messages that you took away from the film? 
you know, because there's such a thin line between good and bad, I don't really know if there is a message. I mean, there's definitely the constant conflict of would you sacrifice a loved one for the greater good? And I don't really know how to respond to that, honestly, because that's a very complex argument right there that you can debate for a very long time. And the other one that is the actual conflict of the film is very similar. Would you sacrifice many for the good of all? And it's such a weird thing to think about. And it's a, a film that's supposed to just be explosions and superheroes, but it is definitely, it's not really immoral, but more just a deep philosophical question that you start asking after seeing this film in terms of like a message for the audience. I don't think there is one. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's just a shocking film that really gets sort of the gears moving in the mind, thinking about this really crazy and understandable um, notion. So uh, finally, last but not least, what would you say the star star range and age, sorry. And finally, what would you say the star rating and age range would be? I would say that the star rating would probably be around four to five stars, um, four and a half, yeah, four out, four out of five stars, because they really had a challenge here trying to cram so much into one film, and I know they're going to make a second part, and that's going to help alleviate it, but uh they probably could have cut some scenes out. I think that there are some scenes that could have been cut out. I understand they want to show 17 different universes and uh, superheroes and all their backstories. And they did that pretty well, but there's some that could be cut out. I mean, it's two and a half hours long. And for age rating, it would have to be high. I mean, I felt depressed after watching this film. So I would probably say a good age rating would be 14 to 18. And I also think the older you are, the more you will be able to get the philosophical message that this film presents. Yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much um, for being on the show here uh, today, Jerry. Thank you so much for letting me talk about this film. Thank you. I had a great time. Thanks so much for joining us. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critic team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. I'm Sahiba. Thanks for listening. See you next time. again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know more about which movies are playing and can make an informed decision. Tune in again next week.